0: two of the Mad Manager show. uh, Just two? Just two, man. Yeah, just two. We went on an unexpected hiatus thanks to Miss Corona. And, you know, we didn't want to sacrifice the integrity of the show, so we decided we would take a break until we could get back here together and to do it. You know, we didn't want to do a Zoom show or nothing like that. So here we are. We back. L.A. lifted some restrictions, so we're back in the building. I'm here with my esteemed co-host. Yeah. Denny Foster. What up, Denny? Hey, how are you doing? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling are for you now. Safe? You ain't
1: got no fever, man. Nah, I ain't got no fever, okay. man. I'm good
0: I'm good for now. I think we at 5.11. <laughs> what's 5.11? What's 5.
1: <laughs> Feet.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's, Let's
1: do something on. about
0: it, city of Los Angeles. <laughs> man, we got LJ on the boards, man. Shout out LJ. We got escrow behind the gun shooting. And uh, we got our squad in here, man. So... Obviously, a lot of things have happened, man, since the last time we did episode one. Um, the coronavirus hit. Yep. And when then... Did uh, Kobe had passed, right? I don't... I don't know if Kobe was gone yet. It all happened so, so fast. So fast, man. Yeah, so fast, man. So we lost Kobe somewhere in between. We put out an episode around that time. We don't know exactly when. And then... The coronavirus hit, and for me, I was, telling, you know, I I was watching it come in like a tsunami because I was watching the numbers, yeah, you know, way before it hit on on this side of the world, and uh, it it did more to our country than we thought, yeah. you know, shut the economy completely down, locked everybody in the house, yeah, and uh, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse,
1: well, I don't know if it did
0: that. I think we did that. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> somebody did that. <laughs>
1: We, Somebody locked us up.
0: <laughs> somewhere between losing Cove and niggas want to stab people over toilet paper. Yeah. We thought that it couldn't get any worse. And then there's Ahmaud Aubrey. Yeah. There's Breonna Taylor. Yes, yeah. And then there's George Floyd to cap everything off. And after we as a black community witnessed those murders, pretty, pretty close, you know, in times, like a three week period. Yeah. The world started burning and rightfully so. So subsequently, um, people are talking police reform now and talking about making real changes. And we've, we've heard this language before, but, um, that's where we are now. And it's happening across all sectors of business, not just Uh, On the political front, it's happening in our business, in the music business. We saw recently many companies, I think almost every record label, come out with their corporate statement that they were in defense of black lives and that they stood in solidarity with us. Republic Records went as far as to be the first person to Get ahead of this thing and take the word "urban" off of their music department, which was a smart decision on their behalf because it should have never been there in the first place. Now, no
1: history behind that,
0: which we going which we will get into. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop right after this next point. Right after that happened, the Recording Academy has now dropped urban. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, that one just that one just popped off. So.
1: So it's now not urban, and it's—they
0: haven't said what it is yet. Uh. Yeah, they haven't said what it is, and it needs to be black, yeah. and, they, and they know it, but they're tap dancing around it. So I mean, like, why don't you tell people like, how did we get here to or How do we? Where did we come from to get to the word urban to describe our music, our music and our music departments and our genres? And, and where did we come from? How did we get here? And where do you think it's going from here? Um...
1: I'm not a historian on it, but I've been around long enough to see it change three times, I think it was.
2: Uh
1: Um, uh, Somewhere between blues and rhythm and blues, you know, and the movement, the first movie, like the 60s, it, it, the labels started deciding like they did now, like, oh, we you know, maybe we should have like a black department for this music that's coming in that we don't know much about. We consume, but we don't know much about. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, people like Clarence Avant and a few others, they, they uh, conversed, you know, with the labels and say, hey, well, I can help you out. So they started putting people in these places. Now they always had the, the music, but the music was growing so fast. And I think over that first movement, they felt like they was just like now. When felt some guilty feeling and say, "Okay, maybe we should do this."
0: Now, so for people who don't know who Clarence Avon is, can you can you explain?
1: One word, two words, Black Godfather.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a whole generation of kids that didn't, you know, that didn't. Like I talked to Clarence on the phone when I worked at Interscope. He cussed me point. out on the phone. Yeah, while I, while I was at Interscope, so I was able to feel that energy one on one. But I mean, for people who were coming behind. Anytime behind me who might not know who he is. I yeah. mean, who was he and what did he do?
1: Well, he was, he was like the, you know, the long and short of it all, he was a businessman who stepped into the business world of music and then basically realized there was a business into people, you know, and helping people out. So it was kind of like, hey, you need your haircut go down to Jimmy's down you know street and you can get your hair cut and then tell them clan sent you. Uh-huh. So it became that same way for like music. Right, It's like, you know, and then before you know it, you know, it's like all the labels is going to clans Who should I, you know, who should I hire for a black as yet Because clan's like, let me see what you looking for. You know, and then he's pulling them in because he's knowing all the people. And this, you know, he had his own label as well. He had, um, um, he had started off with um, the late, great um bill withers you know so he had him sign uh, uh, i think with sussex records i think that was clans and his and then after that he had taboo records and from taboo man he's you know he had um alexander o'neill and um i forgot the name of the other few acts that he had but he he started consulting people like jimmy and terry and Lewis and ellie and babyface and you know, and he knew Quincy. I mean, he was just like literally the godfather. He knew everybody in the business, you know, and so he he was able just to connect dots, and he was viable to making a lot of those black labels work because, you know, he knew who he could get in those places who could literally run these places. So, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Silverone or uh, Gerald Busby, who has passed too since then, and Ernie Singleton, and it was just a host of, if they were black, Plans probably had something to do with them getting there. That's big, you know, all the way down to Puffy, right? You know, so that's a lot of generations yeah. too. Yeah, Um, So he, um, he, you know, I, I'm sure he didn't want the nickname guy, but, but you know, we all touched him, and it was if we had a problem, he could fix it, and they would listen to him. You know, the 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 folks that was running these labels, they would listen to him, right? You know, they felt like if clans came in and they had that call from clans and it was some serious stuff
0: so what do you what do you think is different about executives at that time who were smart enough to know that they didn't understand black culture and hire black people to be in control of their own own culture versus executives now who feel like they know our culture better than we do
1: well back then i think there was not many crossing the line like there wasn't there wasn't a crossing a line because there was no line. Somebody had to draw the line in, in the sand the first time. Right. You know, and the only, only real black label that was out there, well, there was a couple others, you know, historically. there was other, But we all know Motown. So, you know, Motown was built with black executives, black artists. Everything was black on black on black. Mm-hmm. So they saw the success of that and realized, wow, you know, we want some of that money too because now it looks like Barry's about to control this. You know, for 10 years he was. He was the whole sound. Of America. So for them to do that, I think they were just literally smart enough and maybe even dumb enough to realize, I don't know, but I want to get in it Mm because it's working. So at that point, somebody like Clarence can be the liaison saying, hey, get this person and they can build everything else from there for you. Right. And then that's what started happening. And now I think it was just out of default. So now the companies are up and running. Everybody has their black department You know, it was called Black Department, you know, it wasn't African-American or R&B Department or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so, from that, it was kind of logistically okay. Like, nobody was tripping, you know, radio knew what it was about. Basically, you had black music. They had a, you know, out in the real world, you maybe had it slash R&B. Right. And then, of course, years later, hip-hop showed up. Right. And they tied that to it. But it was R&B. Yeah. You know, that's what they was then. But... Gospel had a label, and you know, 90% of that is us. Yeah. You know, but it was gospel. It didn't say black gospel. It just said gospel. And then I'm sure if you was white or anybody else, you knew what you was gonna get
2: right. when you looked
1: at that chart and saw so what was on there. And so um, you know, jazz was just jazz, dance was dance, you know. So it's, it was funny that we did have that. Latin, they even had Latin.
2: Right. You
1: know, it was just like, and it was okay. You right. know, it wasn't like nobody fighting over the space or nothing like that. They and they had Latin people dealing with Latin people. Which is smart. Which was smart. Right. And everything was working like a shoe. And then somewhere there was a tussle somewhere in the eighties. And you know, and then it was just like, you know, some of the executives were becoming mega executives and now they're like running all their company. You know, what happens when the black label executive becomes the executive? Right. And now you're running everything
2: all the subsidiaries of, you know
1: yeah like obama being black at one perspective then he becomes president right <laughs> now you got to deal with everybody
2: with everybody yeah. <laughs> right
1: and so now i think some of them once they stepped into those roles kind of like abandoned the child right yeah it was kind of like you built this child over here and you just like i oh, don't know uh give it to my third child you know he's a not qualified, he's a bad ads, yeah Third and you start seeing dummy. that in the '80s, you know it was like, yeah, you get him, and he was just like, for anybody, well, at least I know him, so you run it, I'll tell you what to do. right No, not really, because now you way on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. you don't have time to deal with what's going on over there on a day-to-day basis, you know, and you don't even realize it's burning now, right? you know, and so that started happening. On label, on label, on
2: label. Which makes it easier for other people to be able to infiltrate at that point. Well, yeah, because now they're crumbling. Right. You know, they're losing money. They got like, excuse. why are we
1: losing all this money? What's going on over here? Oh, my goodness. It's like, we ain't lost this type of money since the seventh. You know, we haven't lost this type of money. Usually, the black department is like, we get things cheap.
2: Yeah, we can depend on up. them. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You
1: know, they can get that artist in for a dollar and make $10, mm-hmm. you know? So now... It's like it started expanding, and it was just like, okay, we got to check these books. Something ain't right. We ain't making money from this.
0: Right, right. Okay, so so, so now we, we know a little bit about how we got infiltrated. Now, now, back to the story of how we went. What were we before we were urban? What did they classify us as on the charts?
1: You know, if I'm not mistaken, even way in the back, at one time they called it Negro chart.
0: That's
2: crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that might have been the first one. And then it turned into uh, black or I don't know if there was African-American. That would have been a little later, but I think that might have briefed in for a second. But I remember it was, I remember seeing from the, from whatever it was to R&B. And R&B kind of lasted for a minute. Yeah. But then there was pushback from us. You know, R&B is black. You know, what you mean R&B is black. It's black folks doing music. Right. Like they say, okay, it's black. So it goes back, you know, <laughs> and he goes into it. And then there was some pushback on that. Some people were like, well, it should be African American or it should be this or, you know, everybody had their reasons why it should be called something else. Why, I don't know. Right. You know, um, it went back to R&B from the black. And then from, because I, at the time that I think it was about to change, I did have a couple of number ones on the black chart.
2: Right.
0: Then it went from R&B
1: to R&B hip hop. Oh, they yeah. said, Why, I don't know.
0: That's the purple chart. I always call that the purple chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, kind of yeah.
1: I didn't get that either because you had a rap chart. You know, and it was rap hip hop. so Then why why did you want to merge it together? You know, and that's something you would have to ask. Maybe we get somebody
2: radio guy, maybe yeah, or billboard. Yeah,
1: and say, hey, why why you have it in there? But a lot (laughs) of the times that it changed, it wasn't them changing it; it was us pushing back. For whatever cultural reason during that time, it wasn't cool to say. You know, I can understand why it wouldn't say Negro. Yeah, that's
2: that's that's a little harsh.
0: Yeah,
1: African American. That seems a little. That's a little long winded. Yeah, Yeah, long winded. You know, black. Works that's for what it
0: is. Yeah, why yeah. Do we have to complicate it? Yeah,
1: and rap was rap, and then hip-hop came along, tied itself to rap, so that's what it is, rap hip-hop. Just leave it over there.
0: So then some somebody along the way was slick enough to, or dumb enough, depending on who did it, right, to introduce and morph what we do into this thing that is urban music, right?
1: Yeah, that came back again somewhere in the 90s, I guess.
0: And urban music, for us, is one of those terms that allows us to get drowned out because now we're not specific. Right. And it makes it a lot easier for your black music departments to become gentrified when it says urban music because it looks a lot more weird when you walk into a black music department and there's a white person running it versus an urban music department and there's a white person running it. Right. So
1: that's when it started changing. When they started to bring an executive that was white in you know, and I guess if you are white, and you come into a situation like that, you're like, I don't know if I should be running a black department.
0: Which is a good thing.
1: <laughs> see? Right. So they probably were like, we need to change this. Right. You know, to something else. Right. And I think that's what they were doing. And then stations were being bought, switched over to, you know, kind of like if you think about BET, do you really call it black entertainment? It's probably more urban entertainment now. <laughs>
2: You yeah.
0: Know, oh yeah. I mean, we don't own BT. For anybody who doesn't know, BT's is not black owned. So yeah. if you've ever looked at it and like, what the hell's going on on BT? That's what's going on. So
1: it's urban, urban. You know, whatever that meant. And I didn't even know. It. I still today don't quite. I know the real meaning, but yeah. how do you tie that into some culture or music or stuff? It's, it's just like you know, I didn't get that. So
0: okay. So we so we fast forward to now, and so so we're gonna talk a little bit about what's going on in the music business from this, you know, whatever you wanna call what's going on now, this, this black liberation movement, this social justice movement, whatever you wanna call it, we're gonna talk about it from a music business perspective. If you wanna know about it from a political perspective, you have CNN. But here, we're gonna talk about what's happening in the music business. So right now, there is this push from record labels to not look like the bad guys that they have been all this time, And they're saying that they're coming out and they're they're standing in solidarity with black people. And they're saying, hey, you know, we're going to talk amongst ourselves and figure out change and solutions. And I I don't know exactly what that means because they haven't been specific about what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, who they're going to hire, who they're going to talk to. It's just more trick bag language at the end of the day to be able to make yourself look like you're not who you are.
1: I think again, so I am at cut in. Oh, go I, ahead. I think there was, I agree with that. You want to try to, if you gave it an inch of hope is like, they just felt the need to say something and then figure, we'll figure it out later. Cause all this action was going on. And of course people were saying, what you guys think? So they probably came out and said that without actually having a plan. Cause obviously that's a, you got to sit there and talk to some people to figure out how to really make an impact. Yeah. But they just throw it out there to let people, look, we're going to be talking about some stuff. And I think they jumped the gun with that. But then the other side is I think they're trying to catch the moment.
0: Of course they're trying to catch the moment. And in the middle of them trying to catch the moment, we got some other people in the music business who are black who I think are guilty of the same thing. Because I look up and I see this statement that basically says that as gatekeepers of the culture, we're going to basically take Tuesday off right. to provoke change and accountability
1: and won't say who who you were.
0: I found out it, it, there were two it's, it's two black women who came up with it. but well,
1: why didn't they just say that?
0: It, I have no idea. But this, is, this has to go, like the music business is never short on bad ideas, but this one is definitely up there with some of the worst ones. Because they decided that in the middle of their vacation, they were going to take a vacation from their vacation. Because let's be honest, like the music business has been closed for all intents and purposes since COVID hit. There ain't no shows, there ain't no clubs, there ain't no tours, there ain't nothing.
1: There yeah, no foot traffic for promotion.
0: There ain't nothing, yeah. and barely any records coming out that people care about. Right. So what, what is you taking a day off from your many days I, off about I to I do for us? That.
1: I didn't understand that, and that maybe that's why they didn't show their face.
0: And they, they're, they're going to take a day off to provoke change. You don't provoke change by not doing shit. You provoke change by putting the pressure on the people who have been putting pressure on you.
1: And you're gonna need more than a day.
0: You're gonna need more than a day. This is this is the type of half-ass fake activism that has kept our community stuck for way too long because people are not thinking things all the way out. Yeah. And I'm starting to think that some of this, you know, I got word, word on the street is that there were some white people involved in that statement. And it sounded like it when you read yeah, it. because you, you said, I'm like, gatekeepers of the culture? How in the fuck are you a gatekeeper of a culture when you can't sign a damn artist without having to ask a white person first? Yeah, you ain't gatekeeper of that culture. How are you a gatekeeper of a culture when you let Takashi 69 in here calling everybody a nigga and turning into a federal informant? Who, who, the, was fuck, the, who the fuck was watching the gate when that shit happened? Yeah, it's right.
1: I can't even argue. I can't even... I can't even bring another side to that perspective um, because we know it's you know it was some bullshit at the time, and I think maybe somebody again okay I give a, another side to it maybe they came up with it and like you just said before they can do anything they got to go upstairs and somebody said well you know rewrite that and twist that and twist that then we let it roll and then that little twist and that little rewrite came from.
0: And you can smell it. And you can smell it. It smelled like bullshit. Basically, it translated to say, as your lords and masters, <laughs> right. we have deemed that you will take Tuesday off to provoke change and accountability. And then Wednesday hitting, we still didn't have no damn change or any accountability. <laughs>
1: wait, wait, we just, I, It wasn't even, I, I guess they were supposed to have meetings during that time. Man, come on. Like, that bullshit. You've you, know, uh,
0: you been taking Zoom meetings for three, two, two months doing nothing.
1: So if they had a Zoom meeting doing there, sh- something should have came out of it afterwards that we could, you know, talk about. But nothing did. We knew it was just what it was. Just, hey, to say we're down to, well, we ain't going to let any of our employees <laughs> go protest or something. I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. It was funny. I didn't believe it. You remember when you told me, I didn't believe it. I was like, I don't know what that is. I never heard of it.
0: Yeah, and, and it's, you know, I have to ask, like if, you, if, if all of these record labels stand in solidarity with, solidarity with black people, the real question is, are you going to stop signing artists that make music who are black about killing other black people? I mean, wouldn't that be a defense of black lives? Or are you full of shit? We'll see. Because <laughs> they, they made the
1: statement now. So now, you know, if we, we keep having the show, we can keep bringing it up each time. What happened? What's going on? What's going on? You know, are you making some changes and find out who's made some changes, who's not? You know, I've heard all kind of stuff. Like you said, they've taken the, taken the urban out of it. They're going to hire more black executives. Um, some ex-executives, I think you sent me an article. I did? That, yeah. It's talking about it. And I actually, there was some stuff in there. I actually understood where he was coming from. And then there was some stuff I was just like, well, that's kind of dated for now. Because who's going to train them you know because it was something about training young executives and I'm like, well, you got to have an older executives change them come on train man them. and there's a gap there between old old and older and then the youngins.
0: oh and then you got your apples and your oranges within it within yeah. the, within within that entire spectrum of age you still have apples and oranges and apples for anybody who are, who's wondering are good executives orange oranges or not no so and,
1: and, and it's and like you said you have to be able to pull from that pot to be able to educate and train them for now I think the idea though needs to happen somebody do need to train them and some of them they need to know something before they come in and say I'm senior VP or anR because I knew somebody
0: yeah 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 totally but <laughs> you know it's what Malcolm X said I mean only a fool would allow his enemy to train his children yeah so you you're you know, what what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna read this letter from Mr. Ron Sweeney, who's 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 around before I got into business, yeah. and he was an attorney was around
1: before I got into business. Okay, so I, yeah, and I, I ran into Ron, so so I you know I ain't probably gonna beat him up bad.
0: <laughs> okay, well I, we we'll get into this letter. We're gonna read both of the letters to you, so that Boy, way man, you can hear. There's another letter. There's another letter. We go. So we let me start with Ron. So it starts out by saying I'm happy that Universal, Warner, Sony Music. Wanna date wanna donate money to support the Black Lives Matter movement. What the movement needs is meaningful change, not window dressing. Address the elephant in the room. Why is it that black generation why is it that black music generates millions and millions of dollars a year, and yet none of the companies have a meaningful number of employees of color? Let me stop right there. That is trick bag language and the reason why we don't need people who are of Ron Sweeney's generation speaking for us. See, when you say Employees of color, you ain't talking about black people. You think that you are, but you're not.
1: No, be- you politically trying to say it differently and you didn't need to. And
0: that's and that's part, that's part of the problem. Everybody's scared to be specific and to say black. So you say people of color, whereas not to piss other groups of people off who obviously have no problem pissing you off, just ask one Daniel Hernandez, aka Takashi 69, who would call you a nigga in a minute, even at your older age, Mr. Sweeney.
1: I'm sure there's a few others out
0: there. And there's a, And there's a bunch of others. Fat Joe, don't think we forgot about you rallying against Colin Kaepernick, even though you profit from our fucking culture. But anyways, the few employees there work only black music. Minority employees are virtually non-existent in many other areas of the company. With few exceptions, minorities lack authority to make Decisions and have to say, "Mother, may I to get something done?" Yes, you have a few exceptions.
1: So you a- really want to change that to not minority, just say black.
0: Black man.
1: So look, you should cross it out and write
0: black. And here, I fixed it. <laughs> it, just, it says black now. <laughs>
1: Just cross it out and say black. (laughs) Okay, keep going.
0: Every year, black music generates hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars a year. Black music has been responsible for and the driving force of increasing the value of these companies in the financial markets. Direct. Okay. You can pause there. Okay.
1: So you see, and you're right, because he said he went from...
0: People of color
1: color to minority and then say black.
0: When it's time to do the labor, we remember who's doing it, right? It's the black people.
1: And making the money.
0: Thank you. (laughs) So we need to keep that in the forefront of our mind when we're talking about the benefits from doing the work. (laughs) The record business has been making money off of black people since they first called our music race records. I can recall as an executive at Sony Music the frustration of having artists like the late, great Luther Vandross because pop... Radio stations at the time would not play our music. Black people were not even allowed to service pop stations. And if you don't know what service means, that means basically you can't submit your record to be played on pop radio. Yeah, without,
1: without a gatekeeper two or three. Co-signing. It was all co-signing. And it doesn't matter how big the record is.
0: There I've it is. I've been there. there hey, I've been there. There it is. He goes on to say, I can recall when MTV and others at the record companies were up in arms when the late, great Michael Jackson used the word kike in one of his songs. All hell broke loose, and that word was immediately removed from everything. MTV took his videos off the air, and he was treated as if he was the racist. The decision makers at the record companies control our name, likenesses, and images because they controlled the distribution channels back then. Why were they not as concerned about the N-word? Possibly if senior black executives had been there and in the room and gave their opinion, this could have changed the course of history. Most black people hate to hear that word.
1: Wait, pause. They were there.
0: Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. They
1: were there. When the N-words was coming out on record, they were there. They were there. They just didn't say nothing. And then the ones that did, maybe they got muted, but... No, no, no. That's a noble like stance, and maybe again, maybe somebody in his generation was like, "That's not cool." Right. But all the others down there. Yeah. No, Pocking and them, and Dre and them, and everything on these codes. I mean, it started slipping out, and he was like, "Hey, this is making money," so nobody says nothing. Hey. What they do, they sign in more. Hey. You know, now I think there was a balance that needed to be had, and I think they smelt that later. Hence comes, you know, somebody like the Tonys or Invoke, you know, was like, hey, we, went, we ain't going there. Right. We're going to rock you with the music, but we ain't going to go there. You right. know, some of the R&B acts, but hip-hop and rap was coming in strong, coming out of the socials talk into that party, you know, popping bottles, all that. And it's like, mm, no, we, we were part of that. Okay. Even if we were disagreeing. You still didn't bark
0: enough to not make it happen, and some of them were still ahead of those labels. Okay. So there we go. He goes on to say, Most black people hate to hear that word. It brings up too many bad memories. I have practiced law in the music business for over 40 years. I have dealt with each of the record companies at the highest levels. When I enter the room, I can still sometimes feel the tension in the air. Sometimes... He said, honestly, sometimes it makes me feel like I'm being dealt with only because they have to. Of course you are. (laughs) Over the years, I've negotiated millions and millions of dollars of deals and done incredible business with all of the companies, and I still feel like some executives are still talking at me instead of to me. I wonder why. I'm certain this would not be the case if more senior black executives worked at these companies who could help them understand black culture better and better understand proud black men.
1: Okay, I got to pause there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I agree with that, but the problem is what we, uh, we talked about earlier before that is, that, is that gap of generation there that's training that person comes up. You wasn't around to train that person. He's right about that. So who guess who did? And guess who allowed that person now to treat the next guy that comes in mm-hmm. of color, the same person of color, but he's acting like the other.
2: Right.
1: You know, he's act, that's why I got the job, to act like the other. Right. So he's sitting there saying, hey, I got to apply the same rules to you. Well, that's, some, you know, another person on the side of the fence, like, this is some bullshit. Yeah, but it is what it is. You're not going back to fight with your boss and say, that's some bullshit. You're not doing that.
2: Right.
1: You just allowing it to happen again. And again, that's us not... Doing what he's saying, it sounds good, but again, you know, Clarence ain't there,
2: <laughs> right?
1: You know, Somebody's not there to say, hey. And if they were, they would have trained them to probably be, have some level of pushback. Like we're not doing that.
0: But I don't know. You know, I I came up under executives who were trained by Clarence, and they didn't really have much of a spot.
1: But they weren't trained by Clarence. They Clarence got them in the dough. I okay. Yeah. That. There so you yeah, go. That's Maybe that's a, that's a little that's bit a, different little way of fair putting fair it. Fair yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know,
1: he still was. Using his tentacles to help get yeah. folks in the door, but he wasn't training them.
2: Yeah, you, you you know you're right. You know,
1: because you you worked with somebody like Step. Right. You know that was an executive. That was a black
0: executive. Step was For a black executive. Yeah, black was Step was a, a proud black man who made you proud to be around because right. he was successful and you like yo I can be like right. that. I, seeing him in that position was important.
1: And that's how I felt like about Gerald he was like that to me. He was like, you know, he, if I agreed with him, not agreed with him, he just was that guy. Yeah. You know, he was a, he was a more of a father figure, and he brought a team together, and he he was all about his blackness and dealing with that. That's you know, dope. And the culture of it and signing the acts and the producers and and good deals where others wouldn't give you good deals. You know, just try to get you cheap. He, you had those people there, and those people was coming from Clarence. So that's why I was saying, yeah, they were there, but then that undertow came. Another toe, I don't like I said, I don't even know if they was trained. I think that was the problem. Yeah. They were moving out and they wasn't training anybody. The cousins started coming in, the the nepotism started happening, and people wasn't really qualified to do those jobs.
2: Yeah, there's
0: so. a there's a lost generation for sure. And we gonna get to that. Right, we, right. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. So he says, uh, someone recently said is it is impossible to be unarmed when my blackness is the weapon you fear. The majority of the top executives at these companies have been there for a long, long time. Nepotism is the norm, which is true. White privilege, which is true. He said, I grew up in, the South, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. I lived through the Watts riots, the 1968 riots and the Rodney King riots. Each time promises were made and after a period of time, it was business as usual. In the words of Miles Davis, ain't nothing change. If if the music companies are serious about making changes, address the elephant in the room. And now he's going to address, what is this, five, six topics, about ten topics he wants to go over. He says, Sony, Warner, and Universal create new companies to be headed by minorities, more trick bag language. Give them their own budgets and let them... Run the companies like you currently do with other executives. Empower them. Trust them. People need jobs, not donations. The problem I have with this, again, is that they could actually honor your request, and you could end up with no black executives because you weren't said, specific. Right. You said, minority. you said people of color. Oh, people of color. So what we did was, or headed by minorities, like you said, I'm sorry. So what we did was we set up five new companies, and we paid three of them Latino running, two of them Asian running. Now you got your people of color. That's what you wanted, right? Right. You got to be specific. Because you scared to be specific. Create an executive training program where you can actually teach a number of minorities each year the worldwide record business. Make it a three-year program and rotate them through the various departments so one day they will have the experience and expertise to run a major record company. The problem that we have with that is that a lot of the people who currently run these companies don't know how the fucking departments work. So how are they, how is the blind gonna teach the Boy, blind? That's,
2: that's
1: what I was getting at. And and it's been at least a generation and a half of that. Maybe two, yeah, it's two now. So, you you know, it, now you're so removed from it, nobody's around to even know. Even the white executives, it's kinda like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I just work here. I
1: just work here, I'm gonna tell him to do his job. So
0: these are the guys that we're asking to teach our youth on how to be professional? I don't think so. Number three, hire minorities and give them the opportunity to do their jobs, i.e., give them the budget and authority to make decisions as opposed to having to wait on someone to decide who often does not understand the music business or culture, blah, blah, blah. Hire minorities. What are you talking about? Hire black people. Secondly, you're begging again. You're saying give them. See, the problem is that y'all from that generation didn't do enough building. A lot of y'all came to these companies and ransacked them, ran through the budgets, hired people who were incompetent, and then left the crumbs for the rest of us to have to figure out. And now, instead of you being able to hire us and you being able to teach us, you begging some white person to do it. So you're going to send us back into the meat grinder because you didn't handle your business the first time around. Now he's saying go into black colleges and adequately fund and sponsor music industry business programs and create a talent pool. What the hell is this guy talking about? So now the people who discriminated against you all this time, you're going to send them into black schools to teach? Like, this shit is fucking stupid, man. I
1: think, I think, I think, think. you know, I'm just trying to go by piece by piece. He's trying to say the ones that you've hired, which we've already went through why that might not work that way, they should go into the schools. And teach, you know, and create, give these programs. I, I'm, I'm just making the assumption that he is not talking about them doing it. That wouldn't be a good move. But going back to what we were just saying, this prior statement is that
0: who do we have to go in those schools? You don't even know who you're talking about. You're just like, oh, just send some people to go train, and it's just like.
1: But the idea, I'm still saying, those are the things. Maybe I'll put it this way. Those are the things that was supposed to happen. The time when the black music.
0: Yeah, when well, y'all had the departments. And, and,
1: and I think in some cases, Danny, probably did in the case that you probably got, well, I don't know how far down the chain you are. How oh, old are you, about 28, <laughs> how far TBD. down the chain you are? But I think there was, let's say, Benny Tubby, you know, Sean, what's Sean's name? Holiday. Holiday, came in through some level of that going on. right? And so, but they was there, they learned to fend for themselves, and then they learned bad habits. And then the bad habits turn into you training somebody who's now going to have bad habits. Right. And those bad habits start to trickle down. Now, to get that out, he's right. You still got to have somebody training the younger ones so when they come up, they, you know... The balance can start happening. It's just the problem that I can see you having is that who is that? Who are you talking about going in the train?
0: Yeah. What are you? What are you talking these about? These people.
1: And and that's again being more
0: specific. You got to be specific. See, he says he goes on to say, empower those creators in the streets that you have production and or label deals with, and teach them the real music business and help them grow their businesses. They are your future executives. Almost every company, including Def Jam, Republic, Island. Interscope were all once small independent labels. Number six, pay your minority employees equal play. There goes more trick bag language. Number seven, make it a point to use minority vendors for ancillary services needed by the companies. Trick bag language. Number eight, with respect to black artists signed to you prior to 2000 that are no longer signed to your company, zero out their unrecouped royalty balances and let their royalties flow to them so they can support themselves. Number nine, make it the record company's policy to notify creators who have monies that belong to them but have not been released for technical reasons. If they don't know that the monies are there, they don't know to ask for their royalties. You're right about that. Number 10, go back and address all of the black marketing and promotion people that you have fired as opposed to moving them to other parts of the company when in your mind you no longer needed a black promotion department it is shameful how they were treated. You essentially discarded them, so he's asking for an apology. Number 11, stop being hypocritical. Yeah, right. You're old and in the business. Stop discriminating against older, hiring older minorities. It sounds like he's talking about himself. Number 12, create independent. create an independent body to hold record companies accountable with respect to monitoring these other changes. The body could also help direct the monies that you have already pledged. So you you want white people to create a organization to watch themselves so they can tell everybody like hey create this or I'm going to spend my money to create an organization to tell the world that I backtracked on the bullshit that I told you I was going to do for you? I mean, what the what like where does this what reality does this type of shit happen in? I don't even understand, man. Uh,
1: I think that's uh, you know he had some points there, but that last point, that ain't going to happen. And I think the better answer to that is some of these we, it ain't like we ain't got money out there now. You know, it's, it's some money out there. There's the Drays of the world and the puppies of the world and the Jay-Z of the world and, and even a lot of athletes. who's going, you don't need to do that if you just start your own again and do it right. And then you wouldn't have to beg for them to be in those situations. You know, because you're talking about at least 4 to $5 billion of black folks that could literally have the money. Did
0: you say I mean, we job? just talk about notable names, yeah. right? Like, right here in this business, in this building where we record this podcast, we started a, a real estate education group in this community, yeah. and we raised fifty-one thousand dollars in this community from people who are everyday folks, do not have any special athletic or creative, or right. they just they just work nine to fives, do their thing, and believe in their community. Right. So, so just imagine. So just imagine. And and you're and you're here begging.
1: You wouldn't have to ask them for
0: anything. See the problem with this is this this is not these are not demands these are re- these are requests because you can't make demands without consequences. Right. D and C demands and consequences are connected. When somebody gets kidnapped and they and they hold them for ransom. Yeah. If you want this motherfucker back, <laughs> you, you better pay what I need you to pay, or or he's gonna get hurt and nobody's gonna get what they want. Yeah. But And right now, what we're doing as a community, we're holding the culture hostage, or we should be. And we should say, if you don't give us what we want for our culture, we're keeping it away from you. But this right here, this letter is all gums and no teeth.
1: Yeah,
0: It's all bark and no bite.
1: Yeah,
0: Because you're not ready to do nothing. If they look you in your face, Mr. Sweeney, and say, thanks for the suggestion, but no thank you, what you going to do about it?
1: You're supposed to gather a bunch of your folks. And go like, okay. And then shit starts shutting down.
0: Which maybe you should have done instead of writing the letter.
1: Well, again, I think it should have been done a while back when it was happening. 20 years, almost 30 years later, when all those executives are gone, and then to say that, right now we can count them on our hand how many are out there. So there's no leverage there for them. There's none at all. So half of that wouldn't happen. Like the threat of it doesn't happen because there is no threat of it. And you, you're exactly right. If he said it, that, they would say, okay, we'll look into it. And then there's no threat because what can you make me do at this point? Before, 30 years ago, oh, you know, the Sylvia of the World walked out, Gerald walked out, you know, when they were all alive, uh, Step walks out. Got Got a problem. You got a problem. You got a problem. You got a problem. You know, and so and so because some of that like equal pay wasn't happening then. You know, I'm I'm sure it wasn't happening. I heard I used to hear them bark a little, but they were getting paid. Yeah. But then you looked at your counterparts and like, whoa.
0: Yeah, not only is he getting more, he sucks at (laughs) his job. Like so, like
1: he bringing in the next Beatles.
0: Yeah, I'm (laughs) killing it over here, and I'm getting a quarter or half of what he's getting. Right. He's going up the up the ladder.
1: But you know they 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 were it was lucrative, people were getting money, and so everybody was quiet. But now things gotten tighter, still lucrative, but tighter for us. Right. So now they are scared to say something because, shit, if I say something, the one view that we have is gonna be gone.
2: Man, and
0: and and that's the that's what happens when you spend too much time building another man's castle and not your own. Yeah. Because. Black people who are in the music business, I want you to hear us loud and clear. Building is your only insurance policy because eventually almost all black people know that they're going to get laid off. It's just like a reality in the music business. You know, like, don't hang plaques on the wall in your office. Don't don't waste your time doing all that because eventually you're going to, for no good reason, you can expect to get a a pink slip from the HR department. Seen it happen too many times to good black people who worked in companies and we're doing a good job for the companies, right? So the only way for you to be able to to make it when that happens, is to build, man. And uh,
1: and we could, I mean, you think of something like, you know, like Empire.
0: You couldn't do that. We couldn't, couldn't do that? that. We couldn't figure that out. You know, and and that's the and, and look, man. I'm just gonna and, be honest.
1: And that going over there begging to be, and it's like you know you can do that. Oh come on, man. You don't they need the beg to do that.
0: You can do, and, and not only that, you know, and this is where a lot of our so-called, quote-unquote, moguls, whoever wants to apply that title to themselves, have failed the community. Because I understand not all of you are visionaries, but some of you are. Some of you could see far enough down the road to say, hey, I need to control this distribution for our community. But the problem is that it became too much about you and your pockets and not about what you could do to reach back and help the next person, which is why, when you look at these executives who are supposed to be moguls, none of them have protégés.
1: He didn't need to have... A billion dollars to start that company. He didn't even need a hundred million to start that company. Period. So probably he used as much as somebody used in the strip club party
0: a few months before COVID. <laughs> just went after it. He just he just went after it. He and-
1: went after it. And then everybody buys into it, gets a couple of wins. Now people are fighting to go through that door, and you was just like, yeah, but he ain't cool with that door. So he probably, again, got an opportunity to say, hey, go up to some of these others and say, yo, we really need to be doing that. Then we ain't got to listen to him. Yeah. But,
0: you know, I got a bunch of butts today. But you know, that the, <laughs> the, key, the key to what you said, though, is the word we. Group economics is the only way black people survive because we go faster together and farther together. But that requires us to work together and invest together. You know, one man who has a hundred grand, yeah, he's straight, but he connects with seven more. Now we got, now we could do something. Yeah. You know, we we all kick in twenty five thousand into this pot. Now we got a little. Now we can make something happen. Yeah. You know.
1: And 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 want to do something. And I think, I, you know, like you said, you can't make everybody a visionary. You we're not telling anybody they gotta spend their money on investments, something like that. But there's. Somewhere you gotta feel like there's a level of responsibility than just maybe giving to a black college. Yeah. You know, especially in a business that you grew in. You're like, you know what? This is what needs to happen. Every that's why I went back to the, the Ron thing. Some of those things need to happen. It just don't need the code words, like you said. We just need to do them.
2: And you know? be deliberate about It'd what we
1: are do. And if not, we'll just do it ourselves. If you don't want to be a part of this pie, we're going to create another piece of pie. And then you probably end up showing up later trying to buy into it. So it's like that can happen, but it doesn't. And I, and I think that was the lack of vision what was, was lost with the black executives about 30 years ago. They had it. And they were starting to grow. Yeah, You know, we were getting production deals and stuff like that, which, again, that wasn't normal. But then when the L.A. and Baby Faces come and, you know, Teddy's come and that, it's like, oh, shoot. They just killing it. Yeah. And they're making crazy amount. They're making culture. Like you said, the whole thing was probably out of some producer's head, you know, and some artist's head. So that was building up so fast. I think they really thought we now are starting to make a hole with it. And these companies, I got stock shares and Universal when it sales, so I'm just getting wealthier and wealthier. And all along, you don't realize you were writing it. By not cultivating
2: it, yeah.
1: you know you just throwing plastics in your garden, pissing on the plants, and expecting it to grow.
0: Yeah, you still wanted to. to yeah, you because, still want to get. Because you still
1: got these other harvests that you, you know, you eating off of. Yeah, and you're not really looking at it. Yeah, and and, and then when you turn your back, or some of them have passed now, passed away. You know, now look what's what's
0: left. Yeah, we're gonna get to what's left. I want to start. By getting to this second letter, because this is going—I know right. you said you had some butts. I've been in the trenches with you all week, the last the last <laughs> two weeks, trying to get—we we got we got something done that we're really excited about. Yeah. Um. But we'll talk about it, you know, maybe on another show because we just want to make sure that all the ink is dry. But we've been in the t- trenches, man, and uh, we're gonna talk about that in a minute. This second letter is—it was posted on Billboard, and it, and the first thing that pissed me off about it was that it read anonymous, and, you know. If, you, if you're going to come out, man, and be, and be afraid to speak, then, uh, you know, just don't speak at all, man. Right. Because the people who are going to speak, even with the anonymous title, are still watching what they say. And this letter is going to be an example of that. And it really threw me for a loop at the end. So let's, let's get started. So it says, we've seen all the texts and posts asking, dear black friends, what can we do? Well, this would be a start. You want to know what it's like to be, black, to be a black executive in the music business? Here's the first major lesson you're taught. You have to work twice as hard for half the accolades of your white counterparts. Fifteen years ago when I was starting out in the music industry, this was rationalized because the overwhelming share of music industry revenue was generated from pop projects and white artists. But it was foolish of us to assume the playing field would be leveled now that black music dominates the streaming platforms that save the business. For, the other, for one or two of us who do prove to be successful time and time again, there's a head of black music title waiting for us. In that role, we will have to report to a white executive about our own culture. Our boss is only there to make sure we do our jobs quote-unquote right. We have never had the ability to make sure they handle their jobs right. Later on, it may dawn on you that there has never been a head of white music title given to any executive. Just imagine if there was a head of white music and that guy was black. It might sound ludicrous, but that's a much longer conversation. Nashville has long had its own culture and infrastructure and no one from outside the country community attempts to dictate what's culturally relevant or how to develop its talent. The same is true for Latin artists and their divisions at each major record company. When it comes to black music, that same respect is not given. White executives with titles like "Head of urban music sit at the head of the table more often than alongside us, and dictate to black executives what needs to happen in our music. If you can't call us the N-word in conversations, don't play us music with the N-word in it, and then ask us what we think. I always cringe when I hear a white executive play a song with the N-word. I can't help but to ask myself, do they say this? Do they say it when we're not around? The racism we experience at the record company can be the worst we experience anywhere. Very seldom has anyone ever been blatantly racist, but that's why it hits deeper. We have to constantly check our culture at the door. Sometimes being black isn't professionally appropriate and it sure as hell is good, but it sure as hell is good for the bottom line. We already know the bad qualities of the black executives who came before us are a dark cloud. We're fighting just to prove we're not like them. While knowing if we do well, another person who looks like us will have a shot based on how we behave. The white executives don't have to pay for the sins of their predecessors. Very true. And when we realize there is a ceiling and begin to build alternative creative opportunities in businesses, we are considered shady or are flat out shut down and labeled as one of those guys you have to watch. In the meantime, our white counterparts are celebrated for being executives, managers, Publishers, producers, and entrepreneurs. Very true. A powerful man in the record business recently wrote a letter saying the industry needs to spend more money on black music. We would rather give $3 million to a new artist with no proven track record than to invest in the next great black executive. This attitude has left, led to dis- disproportionate investment in us. It's like you want our talent, but you don't want someone who looks like the talent to have a real voice. You think? As soon as... You are trying to sign a hot black artist. You call all the black employees into the room to act like we're friends, to show the artist you're down. If only that artist knew, you wouldn't speak to us again until the next time a new hot act shows up. So we're left with no choice but to go out and create our own companies and break several artists before we can be seen as worthy. Will the next person to run Def Jam be black? Who is being groomed to sit in that seat? It should be someone who was of the culture and doesn't have a different agenda. We're having these conversations with one another on a daily basis. The issue is that most of us haven't had the professional success that would afford us the opportunity to speak honestly with our white counterparts. We don't want to be punished for being honest. Hell, I don't even want to be punished for what I'm saying right now. Made me raise my eyebrows. I would have, I wouldn't have said anything if the question wasn't asked. Hmm. But if we want to change the systematic racism in any field, we need to first change the system and make it equal and allow us to run the culture we create in the same way country music and Latin music do. Almost done. This letter is asking for nothing more than a permission slip. We're asking for permission to lead our culture we're hoping someone white gives us a chance to be leaders in a community we have to live within. Nothing will make us feel safer than seeing someone who looks like us, understands us and speaks our language at the top of a company. Someone who realizes that the true power is, a, is the transfer, transference of that power to the culture creators. Someone who wants to develop the next batch of people that looks like them and who wants to leave black culture and black music in a better place than it was left before them. That's something we all dream of. If this letter offends anyone, I respectfully ask you to attempt to remove your privilege and read it again. We've seen all the texts and posts asking dear black friends what what can we do. Well, this is a start. Mm. You want me to start with the positive stuff?
1: Oh, please. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: do wait a minute. Okay, sidebar. You see uh, you see Neo sing and do his little speech at the funeral.
2: I did not. I heard about it, though.
1: And I know Neo. Neo's a good kid. Brain did. He probably shouldn't have spoke out of emotion right? because he didn't word that right. Right. And if you know him, you know that ain't what he meant.
2: Okay, fair so, enough.
1: So back to this, the person was bringing up points like you agreed and I agree that are correct, and then there was other points that create domino effects. The person is young, obviously, because they say 15 years. That means 2005 was when they probably last saw – Somebody that they remember as a black executive, and really the the mega years of black executive was way gone by two thousand five. Right. So of course right. you wouldn't see that, you know, or you know, or, so you
2: just or saw vapors it of it.
1: You saw vapors of it. Um, you saw the damage of it when they were gone.
0: And you and you suffered the consequences and, and, of and the damage. You suffered
1: the consequences from it. Um, so I think that was like a neo moment in just longer term of writing, like. I want to say something. Now the thing is, and the first thing they have to realize is that when you, if you're going to speak into that much passion about something, don't be afraid to have your name on it, especially today. Of all that's going on, I really doubt you get fired for speaking your mind now. <laughs> I think you probably have a past. So when you say anonymous, we don't know who wrote that. You know, that could be cleverly written by others. You, you So now you have no voice. Anonymous to me means you really, that means nothing. That just it's a cop out. Well, it's like blowing in the wind. Like I heard some whispers. Yeah. You know, and it was like, yeah, I caught that. I don't know where it came
0: from, though. You don't even believe like, your own words enough to stand on them.
1: And there wasn't bad words to stand on.
0: You're I mean, like, damn, you asked for permission. What, you thought they was going to fire you for that?
1: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> And so it's a double standard when you're doing that. Like I see what you were trying to do, but you
0: But you copped out yeah, at the you end.
1: You had the gun pointed the wrong way.
0: Yeah, you copped out. You was you was playing chicken and you and you drove off to the side at the yeah, end.
1: Yeah. I wish, and if they ever, you know, heard this podcast and knew they letter, just come forward. Just say it. There ain't nothing gonna happen to you. Like Man. you 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 know, and Other people can debate with you about what you said, what you really meant when you were saying and come to some type of, you know, consensus where we could actually take that. Because some of it, like you said, some of it was true.
0: But see, this is this is the type of half ass shit I don't like, because, okay, you you obviously felt triggered enough to say something. Right. But you didn't feel bold enough to be able to stand behind the words, which means that you probably shouldn't have been talking because this is the this is the problem. A black person like this in the music business will watch you get fucked and won't do anything to help right. because they're scared to help you. Right. And then they'll see you after you got terminated and be like, "Man, that's messed up how they did right. you." But bro, you was not going you not going to say nothing. You was going to let it ride? Right. This is this is Mr. Anonymous right, right here. So, me, I've sacrificed my corporate career because I didn't want to be a sambo for these companies. Right. I'm not laughing at all the stupid ass jokes. I'm not going to look the other way while you're bringing in artists who I know who are ignorant from my community and taking advantage of them because it gives you a payday, and I'm not going to sit here and be an accomplice of that type of shit. So I'd rather leave. And we, we, we dug it up out the trenches, man. When I started in 2003, two years before this person, the narrative was find something, get it signed, you'll get a job. Or do something that proves that you're valuable, you'll get a job. So when I finally got my job, it was after... Street team, interning, doing everything that I could under the sun. Right. I get my job. I lose my job. I get another job, and then that one goes away. And at no time did I ever get, like, when, when I was working at Interscope as an A&R assistant, I got Pac-Div signed to Motown. I was, like, 24 years old. This is, the num- this is the first group to really break out of the new L.A. scene. Mm-hmm. Don was a part of their camp at that time. You know, we sitting in Lamar Park right now. So at that time, a white counterpart of mine would have went boop, 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 right up, the, right up the ladder. You got something signed and got a buzz built while you were an assistant? How'd you do that? Instead, I got shown the door. So this is the reason why I don't respect this kind of shit.
1: And you got shown the door by?
0: One of us. One of us. By one of us. And that's and that's something that we're gonna, you know. First off, let me address this before we move on to us, because okay. we're gonna talk about us. Okay. Bro, do not get out here, get first off, get up off your knees, man. You just and you just wrote you, I mean, you had that's why I don't have any sympathy. You had time to think this out. You wrote it. It wasn't like you said it off the cuff on the fly. No, no. You wrote permission slip into the letter and then <laughs> proofread it and then said send. You're asking. <laughs> For permission from a white person to be active in the culture that you created?
1: Well, then the question becomes, did they get permission? I mean... <laughs> I'm just saying, they sent the letter and didn't ask for permission after you did the bad deed, or maybe looks like that. I mean, but
0: what makes you feel like you have to ask a white person for permission to do your own shit? How do you win when you come to the table like that? You got to own it. This shit, this is bad, man. This is bad. Again, all bark and no bite. Because if they hear you out right now, you know what they're going to do. They're going to be like, oh, that's nice. And they're going to go back to doing what they're going to do because they know that you're scared. Yeah. They know that you're not talking to them the way that we're talking to them. Yeah. Because they ain't going to come at us like this because we'll tell them we don't need your shit. No. So now what? We survive without it. We ain't doing business or we ain't doing business. Period. <laughs> Period. And that goes back to, and this, I mean, again, Black people who will watch other black people get mowed down and not help them leads me to the next part of our conversation, which is me and you been in the trenches the last two weeks. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, but we have seen many black ex- executives in this business who were in senior positions show their asses over the last seven days, boy. What a seven days. Oh, my goodness. What oh, my seven goodness. Days. What a seven days. What a seven days. And this is the reason why we said this blackout, this uh, this pause, pause the show or whatever y'all call that, that whole movement is bullshit. And the reason why is because the same people who are telling you to pause the show that we need to provoke change in accountability won't even provoke change in accountability in their own business dealings with other black people. We just watched our client try to, they tried to cut him out of what he was working on Three times within seven days. Black people. With
1: every lie imaginable. With every lie.
0: Every underhanded trick in the book. I mean, we saw it all this week. I don't think we missed anything. No.
1: I, I, that last one, I heard it all. I was like,
0: whoa. I mean, this, we, we were hoping that what we heard was actually right. Even though it would have worked against us, we right. were hoping that what that person said was actually right. right. So that way, we didn't have to accept the fact that one of us would do something like that yeah, to one of us. That's I ain't used that word since my grandma used it. And that's the only that's way, the way to way describe way that. Trifling. Trifling.
1: <laughs> and we, you know, the only thing we kept doing, you know, I kept saying, we got to do better. We got to do better. Or all those letters like that and Ron Sweeney
0: means nothing. It, it means nothing. It means nothing. You just out here barking. And I, and I listen, m- black music executives... Okay, like I don't give a lot of things away for free because the game is to be sold, not to be told. Right. But white people, I'm going to give you all a free one. The answer to your problems are none of the people who have been employed by you consistently up until this moment. You have employed consistently as kissers and grifters. And what they're going to try to do now is use this moment in this climate, which is a real moment in our community, which I take very seriously, they're going to use it to try to guilt trip white people into giving them a payday. They're going to use it to get a position. They're going to use it to get a better paycheck. And they're going to turn around and use the same politics that they use to keep other black executives down up until this point. Yeah, they're going to keep using it. They use it. To continue to hire more people like them. If you want the answer, take the entire music business and dump it on its head and start over again. If you don't, then you won't get any progress. But maybe you don't want any progress anyway, so maybe it doesn't matter. But I've seen... These people high-fiving each other who I know didn't rock with certain songs, didn't give certain opportunities, all because we didn't kick it in the same circles. We ain't like the same type of girls. We ain't laugh at the same and, jokes. And that's bad business. And that's bad business, that's man. Bad
1: business. I could not like you. But you had a hit act, and I knew it. Like the numbers said, you know, all the socials said, and I still won't do business with you because I don't like you and really don't have a reason why. I just don't like you.
2: Run
0: it.
1: Then that's bad business.
0: That's very bad business.
1: You're not, you're not keeping your eyes on. We, we went in this week dealing with people we knew have done bad business, just the sake of trying to do business with us.
0: Trying to do business. Try, we we tried to do business the right way.
1: Try to do it the right way. We tried to do look at that client and say this may be the best place for our client.
0: Even though we knew that they were already sharpening the knives, we still wanted to do right by our people, regardless of if this had happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey, we would have still done it because that's what we stand for. It's doing right by our community and doing right by the people that we represent. And that's what pissed us off so much because in the middle of y'all taking a fake ass off day to bring attention to yourselves because that's all this was about. It wasn't about Breonna Taylor. It wasn't about George Floyd. It wasn't about Ahmaud Aubrey or Philando Castile. You don't care about those people. You care about yourself because you're selfish and. In the middle of us trying to honor them and grieving over a pe- a per- people in our community who we lost, who we felt connected to, even though we never met them, you try to stick a knife in the back of another black person. On that day, on on that day, and in the days that followed, and, and you just had no respect, no honor, and that's why I say that. See, all of this is that, that all of this to me is just a con game. I know what they're doing. They're crying foul in front of the same white people who had already hired them previously. Yeah. And the problem is that white executives, where you fucked up was, you stopped, you started, you believed your own hype too much. You started oh, to they read,
1: they could do those you thought you were better than us. Like I can run the black department, and I'll call it black, but they call it urban, but they feel like they could have ran it. I, I, I know this music, I grew up on this music
0: and 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 there's no there's there's no coincidence that
1: Did you catch that face?
0: <laughs> there there's no coincidence that at that we have as the the number of white executives running black music departments rises we have a steep decline in the quality of our music and our images and our culture. I wonder why? There's no coincidence. It's directly correlated. And the problem is that the white executives who were there are willing to hire buffoons who fit their stereotypical view of black society and that and those buffoons end up be getting the jobs. Mm-hmm. So now white people think they're doing something. No, you're hiring idiots because that's what you're comfortable being around. And then, then
2: you find out maybe
1: five to 10 years later, I hired an idiot. And now I'm about to get
0: fired. I think that they know. <laughs> I think that they know. I look at certain executives. I think, and-
1: I think some of them know. I think some of them are worse than the people that they hire. And they don't know because it's like you say, a mirror of the image. Well, you know, I know he's going to agree with me because he's just like me.
0: You notice they don't, they don't ever hire anybody who can threaten their position. Oh, no. No, no, not that. They never do that. Not that. And that's the reason why when strong black men walk into these offices, there's tension. When we sit down in these meetings and we talk about what we want and how we want it to be, there's tension. Because you're used to being around docile black men who will go along with whatever you say. I mean, you could call them a nigga in the room and they probably wouldn't say nothing to you. Don't try it with us, though. Don't try it with us. Because we don't do business that way. We're going to respect you, and you're going to respect us. And ultimately, I think that it's important that we, we're going to have to call these people out, both black and white, because this is... This is this is why the business it is what it is. This is why
1: the business is where it is. The problem, I think... It gets masked because there's so much money involved. It's so much money made by talented people, even untalented people, but there's money being made. So as long as money be made, the cesspool of shit that goes through it can keep keep bubbling because, you know, the money's there. It's like, okay, yeah, he was an asshole, get rid of him, go there. I mean what? Sixteen billion now for Warner Brothers.
0: I mean, I think thirty was the valuation on Universal.
1: Yeah, that was Universal. Thirty. Thirty. Sixteen for uh, for a dying label at one time. Right. You know, and and, it, and and they were able to get that. So it is lucrative, and it's it's consistent. So as long as it's that, it's hard to get to a point until somebody's about to collapse. Then they realize. What did I go wrong? What do I have to get in here? You know, what I have to do to clean this up. Right now, it gets masked. You know, that year is bad. You know, okay, we got to get rid of so-and-so. And And it's usually not the person on top, like you said. You know, and the person, the people who are owning these companies, they're so far removed from music itself. They're business people. And they saw an opportunity to grab something that looked like it could be gold. Right. You know, maybe have a like for music. But they're not music people. Right. So now your head of the guy right under the chairman.
0: It's not a music person. He's <laughs> not a music person.
1: He's not a music person. And if he is, he's probably one dimensional. You know, I know what I
0: did. And that but that's the <laughs> that's the mark of a good leader, I think, is to know where your shortcomings are. Right. In in the tech field, it's the complete opposite. The guys always want to be the dumbest person in the room. You know, I heard Jack Moss once was like, I, you know, basically like I hire everybody to be smarter than me. I want, I want, I want everybody around me to be smarter than me people in the music business work the complete opposite. They hire people who they know or who they think won't be able to threaten their position. Then when that person proves that they're valuable and might have a skill set that the person that hired them doesn't have, instead of them encouraging that and developing that and cultivating that, they mash it out and get rid of that person to make sure that that person does not threaten their position.
1: And, you know, there's, there's another part to that. You know, just a part, I think, to in the intellect, the intellect of executives that came in. Some of them was be, was able to be vouched for from hey, I got my degree in you know business and tech from Harvard or whatever, and that person's like you know these algorithms are a little off, but I can fix that. Right. Because that's the that's the wave of the future, right? Right. I don't really have to know about their culture. I could just look at these numbers and tell you what's going to work. Right. And every time you try to do that with intellectual property, it goes wrong. You got to have a feel
2: for
0: it.
1: But you got to have a feel for it because people are emotional. We're not algorithms, you know? It's not like stock. So, yeah, you can ride something for a moment and stay. That's what I'm saying. They could stay here, but they never go here. You know, you might be able to keep your bottom line with these, you know. Hey, if I sign 50 of them, I only need two out of 50 to work. Right. You know, but eventually, like it always does, it starts to crumble. And then they don't know how to fix it. Yeah. And guess who they look at? Because we out there hustling. You know, we out here, that little kid's out there like, you know, well, nobody assigned me. But I figured out how to post my own stuff and figure out how to sell my own merch. Then he grows big and then they go grab him.
0: I mean, look at Khan. You know, Con Conn is an artist that that um that I found what three years ago or so, and we brought him in, signed him to joints, and now he he's doing over two and a half million streams a month on Spotify. He makes a very good living, making his own music, his own videos, his own merch, and that's why I said that is your insurance plan. You sending these empty threats to the record label, you you're wasting your time, man. Stop writing empty letters that you know you're not willing to follow through on, and get in your Rolodex and contact some other black people and put your brains together.
1: Yeah, if you really have a, a, a knack for this business, then you, you're not afraid to do that. If you have a knack for this business, like, I know a hit act, or I know a hit song, or I know a good producer, I, I just have that intellect, well, then you shouldn't be scared because you could do that anywhere. Right. You could call up any of those three people we were talking about with money and say, look, I got this business venture, and my ears are golden. But see, they don't want to bounce on that because now you can be exposed. So yeah. You got to go out there and do that by yourself. You got to become Russell Simmons by yourself, or some of these people who actually did build these labels. You start to realize, yeah, all that's just talk.
0: It's all talk, man. Yeah,
1: you don't really know. No. You know, I signed. I just signed Lil Nas X. I just signed so and so. I just signed so and so and so. All right, won't you step away? You ain't happy here, right? Right. Why don't you step away and do that again.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like what what we did with joints. You know, when all of us started working together, he had done Christina Aguilera, Brandy, did um, Cockiness for Rihanna. So he had some cuts. But we knew that there was still more that we could accomplish. And from that time, he's had, what, four or five Grammy nominations, been on two Grammy Award-winning projects. Yeah. Like, we built that from the st- from the sand, man. I'm talking about dirt, bricks. You know what I'm saying? Built it all from, from nothing. Got it out the mud. And how many... Calls did we get to come run departments or come run publishing companies to help pick producers and songwriters?
1: Not even a thought. And we've seen over that year since me and you worked together, how many changes we've seen. And
0: and, and matter of fact, not just calls we didn't get, we actually tried to put our bid in a couple times at some place and said, you know what, I'll go back in the machine.
1: Maybe you can make a difference.
0: Maybe you can make a difference. and. Those requests fell flat. Nobody interested, nobody wants to do interviews, nobody right. wants to do nothing because as that, as that one letter did correctly highlight, you become one of the people to watch. I got to keep my eyes on this guy because he ain't willing to buck dance. He ain't willing to be a Sambo in here for me, so I got to keep my eyes on him because he thinks that he's smart as I am. Right. And that's where, you know, maybe, maybe we're crazy and maybe they actually make a real change. You know, maybe they do, but I don't think that they're gonna be able to make a change without talking to people like us because forget us getting a job, we can tell you who to hire. Who are these who are these other lame executives who you've been hiring? Man, anybody who's been in that musical chair position for the last ten years, I can tell you about ninety percent of them are worthless.
1: No, oh, I agree. And you know it's funny, because even a tech company now has gotten smart enough to say, I can get a numbers guy, and then I need somebody who's
0: who like can feel. feel? Yeah, who knows if the numbers are real or not? Yeah, it's
1: like you need both of it. You got to balance it out. I get that. Hey, you want to? You want to try to? You know, get some balance to it or some um, uh, productivity to be? You know, at a at a maintain at a certain level. Yeah, it, that maybe that numbers guy can help you do that. But without that person with the feels, it falls. You, it, you, when, and when it falls, it's gone.
0: You can right? get pump fake very easily.
1: Real easy. You think you know.
0: Yeah, I, I see. He got a million oh, streams. Oh,
1: it's, you know, people, if you, if you, I used to hear all kinds of crazy stuff. You sung in the key of an A and at the temple of 120 and you had three words of love in it. You can uh, guarantee that's a hit. Of course it's. Oh, yeah, it. man. There's a specific. Idiot, idiot. Yeah, there's a specific there's place <laughs> that's
0: notorious for doing that. They yeah. had a, a formula for how you're supposed to write your songs in. And,
1: and you sit there saying, because. You analyzed that, and you felt like it was like that. When the last, you know, it's like how long you've been listening to music.
0: I mean, but that's the thing. That's what happens when you're not of the culture. You're looking at every, you're looking at us like you would analyze animals in a zoo. So you're like, oh, well, I, I've been watching this tiger for a week, and I noticed that at 9 a.m. he always walks 100 <laughs> yards to the left. <laughs> but you not, you don't understand. You don't understand us because you're not of us, and. If Okay, so white society, you want to do something to fix some of the damage you've done? Vacate every position immediately in black music that is not filled by a black person. Vacate all head of department positions that are not filled by black people and give them to qualified black people. Since you said you want to fix it, there's a suggestion. Let's see if you're really serious. Secondly, do not sign or drop all artists who say the word nigga who are not black immediately. I mean, since you respect Black lives and everything, I mean, it would be really disrespectful for my grandmother who went through Jim Crow to hear Takashi Six Nine say "nigga" all over the place, wouldn't it? So, do you really, repl- do you really respect Black lives? Do you really want to make a change, or are you out here just for fluff? Yeah.
1: Matter of fact, drop him.
0: Drop him. He actually, you know, what ended up happening was he signed another deal while he was in jail. He signs another deal while he's in jail. And yeah. <laughs> but you know black lives matter and everything, right? <laughs> well, I think that we've covered some things here. I cannot wait for the next episode because I'm sure there's gonna be more developments. Uh anything you want to add before we get out of here, Dow. Oh, I think I'm gonna be
1: saying this all my life. We got to do better. We just got to. I don't know what it is to motivate that. In words you know some slogan even though I was a songwriter I just can't think of a slogan that will make people listen to that line and say you right you know because there are words to do that sometimes words are powerful yeah. maybe somebody will come together with some words to when I see you I have to see you differently and I hate to say that about us Seeing each other differently, but obviously I need to do that. There just has
0: to be there. There has to be, and there there has to be consequences for violating the code. Yeah. You know, ultimately, no code is strong if they, if there's there not is, consequences.
1: You don't even have to give them consequences because it is consequences. We are suffering from those consequences.
0: Yeah.
2: And,
1: and they're suffering from those consequences. Of course, they don't feel like it because you know they might be fat on the hog and making you know six figures or seven figures or whatever that may be. So you're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. I'm doing well. Right. But they're just rottening everything else. Yeah. And you know, and it's like, if we can treat each other better in the business, some of these ideas and some of these, matter of fact, that person maybe not been anonymous. Yeah. See, they would have felt like, shit, if they don't like what I said here, I'm going to go to so and so's company.
0: Right, which goes back to building. Yeah. You got to build to be able to protect your community. You know, I could never imagine someone in the Asian community or even in, you know, in a Latino community coming to a white person saying, give me the, I need permission to, to make Chinese food or <laughs> to make Mexican food the or the way I want to make it. Please. I'm just asking for a permission slip.
1: No, well, no, I never say that that's outdated. No, no, Mexicans don't eat food like
0: that anymore. Get up off your knees, man. You got to do better. <laughs> we got to do better business with each other. And, uh, And, yeah, man, I think that's that's pretty much it for episode two. I know we're not done with this topic. I know I'm not. I got a whole page of notes that I wasn't even able to go over because we didn't want to make it too long. But, again, thank you for tuning in. This is the Mad Manager Show, the place where we love music, we love the business of music, but for obvious reasons, sometimes we hate the fucking music business. We out.